Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash apologia. But for now, let's get to the episode, part of the Apologetic series, posted January 28th, 2019, titled, How Christianity Probably Began, No Resurrection Required. When presenting the case that Jesus rose from the dead, the Christian will often point to a set of historical facts which generally boil down to, Jesus was crucified, people claimed he rose from the dead, and now the church exists. Now would an actual resurrection of Jesus explain these facts? I suppose, but a supernatural explanation can be used to explain anything. Did an all-powerful being have a hand in starting my car this morning? It's certainly possible. But it's also possible that when I turned the key, a mechanical process drew air and fuel into the cylinders. A spark was ignited, combusting the system to begin the engine revving. We can't rule out that God started my car, but his involvement isn't necessary to explain my running car. Is there a similar explanation for the existence and history of Christianity? Please indulge me for a minute and allow me to lay out one possible scenario. Around 30 AD, the Middle East was littered with apocalyptic preachers including one Jesus of Nazareth. This Jesus said or did the wrong things at the wrong time to the wrong people and was crucified on a cross. As was a standard Roman practice for the crucified, Jesus' body was thrown into an unmarked grave outside of town. This Jesus had some followers while he was alive, but most disappeared into lives never recorded by reliable history, never to be heard from again, all except Simon Peter and possibly John. For a culture without last names, there were a lot of people named John. Devastated after the death of his mentor, Peter may have suffered post-bereavement hallucinatory experiences, or PBHE, a well-researched phenomenon documented in papers like these. With PBHE, a lonely, low-mood, fatigued, anxious, bereaved person without history of mental disorder will have an abnormal sensory experience. In about a third of the cases, the individuals will report seeing, hearing, and talking to someone deceased. Or Peter merely decided that Jesus' message of the coming kingdom was too important and that he would take it upon himself to spread it in the wake of his mentor's death. At some point, Jesus' brother James joined the cause, along with one of the Johns. Stories about Jesus began to spread, not primarily by Peter, but rather through the person-to-person evangelism of the day. Neighbors talking to neighbors, merchants talking to customers. These conversations were meant to recruit new followers, not relay an accurate oral history. So in the telling, details were expanded upon, embellished, or even invented each time they were recounted. As the movement began a life of its own, Peter the Fisherman was not around to personally affirm or correct the tales being told. A few years later, a Pharisee named Saul was traveling around persecuting these new Christians burying the moral guilt of his actions under the certainty that he was doing the will of God. But on his way to Damascus, he suffered a psychotic break, possibly some form of guilt-induced post-traumatic stress, manifesting in a vision of the allegedly resurrected leader of the group he was harming. 
So affected by this experience, Saul changed his name to Paul and began recruiting for Christianity and writing letters to churches outlining his theology. Paul, Peter, and John once met in person to swap ideas, but in the end they didn't actually see eye to eye on things. After several decades, a variety of Greek-speaking people who never met Jesus, or even Peter, took it upon themselves to begin writing down some of the stories that had circulated about Jesus and the sayings attributed to him. These written fragments were later compiled into what we now call Gospels, including some links to Old Testament themes, some explanations about how the guy people knew from Nazareth could also be from Bethlehem, and activities they imagined post-resurrection Jesus did. A great many Gospels were written. Each author who compiled a new version expanded upon Jesus' power and his divinity, going from a preacher who did miracles only under very low profile, to the co-creator of the universe who performed publicly at the drop of a hat, to someone who killed and resurrected people out of spite, to a powerful resurrected military man with an anthropomorphic giant talking cross as his sidekick. On occasion, some of the early Christians were troublemakers and suffered consequences because of their disruptive behavior. But generally, early Christians had a very live-and-let-live existence, and only relatively infrequently were bothered because of their ideology, though unfortunately it did happen sometimes. They were accepting of people, kind to the poor and widows, and so grew in numbers. Centuries later, in 303 AD, Christianity did become illegal in Rome for a while, but ten years later it was given legal protection, and soon became the Roman Empire's first official religion which is when it really took off into the institution we know today. In short, to account for the established history of Christianity, we need only a single disciple to claim Jesus rose, a later convert who hallucinated the same, and an urban legend to spread. Now, everything that happens in this origin story I just told is fully consistent with the way first century Rome operated, consistent with basic human nature, and consistent with the spread of every other past and present world religion, most of which you do not think received supernatural help to get where they are. Every aspect of this story is mundane, boring, and exactly what you would expect. With no resurrection required, it explains every fact you may have. Empty tomb? Part of the legend. No one produced his body? Of course not, it's in an unmarked mass grave. People saw risen Jesus? Part of the legend. We have no record of anyone, save Paul's admitted vision, who both gives their name and claims to have seen him. Disciples died for their belief. There are no historical or even biblical records that say any of the twelve disciples did. Others died for the belief. The martyrs probably believed it, but they weren't in a position to know. The Gospels are eyewitness accounts? No, the Gospels are anonymous. Could a supernatural miracle explain it all too? Of course, but since a supernatural miracle can explain literally anything, anytime, ever, the question really is, can it be reasonably explained without a resurrection? If you're honest with yourself, you'd have to admit that I have, even if you prefer the miraculous version for some reason or another. And to be sure, there are other ways the presence of Christianity can be explained without invoking the supernatural, but I think this one works well with no big assumptions needed. Is there some aspect of the existence of Christianity that you think my scenario fails to address? Please let me know. Start a dialogue in the comments or on Facebook or Twitter, or better yet, respond in video form. Maybe I'll respond back. 